0: Welcome to the Anchored Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. All right, friends, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing through the Sermon on the Mount series, what it looks like to live a kingdom-centered life. If you don't have a Bible on you, don't sweat it. We're going to have the verses on the screen like always and some notes. And so I want to start out with this question. I have a feeling that we have some fun people in the room. All right, ready? All right. We we, we got some fun people in the room. Anybody like to have fun? All right. How many of you love a good prank, just being honest? You're like, I like a prank, a tasteful prank. Good prank. Not, not out of bounds, but not too little, right? Like, I remember one time somebody put salt in my Fruit Loops. And I was like, it was a pretty good prank, but I was like, you know, they could have stepped it up a little more. They could have put something a little more interesting in there. You know, I came home one time in high school to something really disturbing. I went in my bedroom, and something was missing. I don't know if this ever happened to you. You go in your house, you expect something to be there. It's always in the same spot, and it's missing. It was my... Shechtner C1 Classic electric guitar that I got because I learned the solo from Eric Clapton's "You Look Wonderful Tonight." My mother and I had an agreement: if I learned that solo, you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. And if I learned that solo, that I could get an electric guitar and I would get to pick it up. So I picked out the Schechter C1 Classic. It was my rocking out guitar. It was gone, and it wasn't just out of my bedroom. It was out of my house. It wasn't just out of my house, it was out of my neighborhood, and I didn't know who had it, and I was freaking out. How many of you would be freaking out? Prize possession, gone. Some of y'all, it's your game system, kids, right? Game system, or or, uh, man, there's so many newfangled technology. Asher, what would you be upset if it was gone? Your Xbox, yeah, it's like, where is it at, right? And so my guitar's gone, I'm freaking out, and you know what the truth was? My guitar was gone because that was a response to a prank. That was a response to another prank, that was a response to another prank that had happened when another prank happened to get them back for this first prank. It was like six or seven pranks deep, and it got out of hand. And here's the first thing that I wanna just wrap, ask us to wrap our minds around this morning, and this is gonna make sense. Retaliation quickly gets out of hand. It starts out little. It starts out, I'm 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 gonna give a little edge. Let me give a little jab here. And then before you know it, you're doing things you never thought you would be doing, like stealing guitars. And the people that stole my guitar, these were like really nice girls from my high school band, okay? And they like broke in my house. Basically, my sister answered the door, they pushed her out of the way and went and stole my guitar while, while they were laughing. They, they meant it in good fun, but it got out of hand. It turned into something illegal. It turned into something not so good. It quickly gets out of hand. So here's what we're called to do. Let's put this on the screen this morning. You can take notes. You're a note-taking room. Got your notebooks open. You can take notes on your phone, too, if you want. Pull up that notepad. Helps us remember things. We're called to do what? Reject retaliation. Everybody say that together. Reject retaliation. And endure insults for the sake of the kingdom. So those are two things. And guys, this is a tall order. I'm not saying it's easy. Jesus made it simple for us but he never said it would be easy. I'll say that again. Jesus made it simple. This is simple to understand, but we receive a calling like this, instruction and commands, and we go, how can I do that? Well, Jesus is gonna help us this morning. that's what he does when he was preaching his longest recorded sermon. He was helping people understand. And here's what he said in verse 38 of Matthew chapter five. Let's read this together. And this was the pattern. If, if this is your first time here uh, throughout the series A, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we're, we're super pumped that you decided to spend the morning with us. And um, we have been going through this longest recorded sermon of Jesus. And here's the pattern. Jesus will say, you've heard X was said, but I say to you, Y. All right, so there, there's the formula to catch up to speed. 38, here's what it says. God's word says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How many of you have heard that before? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, it's become more than just something from the Old Testament. It's actually just a well-known kind of phrase. The Mosaic Law did teach an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. There were some more details that we won't get into this morning, but let's just read a couple of the verses here. Exodus 21, 23 24, very quickly. If there's any injury, then you must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, Foot for foot, man, he was really going through all the body parts, wasn't he? He could have just kept going. But these couple of verses, hey, if there's if there's an injury, tit for tat, right? That's kind of what we say today. Life for life. See, what people did though, it's just like last week. If you're here last week, you recall that people were taking the Old Testament like this, especially the Pharisees, the religious hotshots, they were the ones that had it all together, right? They looked good on the outside, but inside they were as corrupt as all get out. And they took the law and they used it in a way where they could do whatever they wanted to do. Do, 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 do people still do that with the Bible? Absolutely. So this is, no, this is no thing we're like, I've never heard of anybody doing that before. This is, this is something. And if we're really honest, maybe, maybe there was a time. I mean, I think if we're humble and honest, we go, man, sometimes I come to a verse in Scripture and I think I understand what that's saying, but then we study it a little more and we go, oh, I... Okay, so that's the context. Okay, so that's the application. I understand now. So that's why we do this um, sermon time. One of the reasons is to help us apply it to our life. And so here's what they were doing. Let's just put this on the screen here. They were using a limitation that was designed for a civil court setting. That's the context of that Exodus verse. This is a civil setting. This is for the courts to, to ensure justice. That's what the point of the verse was for. How were they using it? An obligation for personal relationships, or here's another way to think about it, it was an excuse to get personal vengeance. People were using that say, ah, but Exodus says I for an I, so you mess with me, you're going down, you're going downtown, and you're gonna get it back twofold and threefold, right? And if we're really honest, this morning we struggle with this, don't we? When something happens to us, when we feel wronged, we feel like we want to get back, we feel like we not only wanna get back, I wanna get back two, three, four, or five times, get back, to make sure you never think about messing with me again. And then what does that make the other person wanna do? The same thing, even more, and it gets out of hand. And so what's Jesus' response to this misunderstanding? Let's look at verse 39. But I tell you, remember Jesus spoke on his own authority. He didn't say, but I heard it from some rabbi. I heard it off, uh, you know, I I, I got some influencer off Instagram, you know, I heard it from them. No, he says, I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. Now we read those verses and we go, what is Jesus talking about? Don't, don't resist an evildoer. Now if you're reading in your paper Bible, do you have a little letter beside the word resist? Do you have a little note there? You probably do. It probably say, it's, like, it's like a little tiny letter in the superscript. It might say B or C and it might direct you down to the bottom of your Bible. Several of my Bibles did. That's, that's why I asked. depends on who published your Bible. But The point of that is that word resist, we have to look at this because this is a loaded word. And so let's quickly look at it real quick. The Greek word is anthestami. Anthestami, it's built off of two words, the prefix anti, you've heard of that one before, right? Against, and then histami, which means to stand. This is a military term in ancient Greek. This was used as a military term to strongly resist an opponent. Jesus is saying, you guys have used God's word to make opponents out of each other. You've declared, you're, you're declaring war on each other in personal relationships. Hello, comment section, right? This is very relevant to us today. Very relevant to identity politics and all the, and, and all the different things that we get bent out of shape over. Sorry, my shoelace just uh, decided to pop out and I stepped on it like a... Get it in there. There we go. Sorry about that. That will drive me crazy the whole time. I had to fix it. All right, so Jesus' response, don't resist. So this word, anthestaming, this is a military term, to, to go against. Jesus is saying here, not that, we, that there's never a time to oppose evil, that is not what Jesus is saying. People misunderstood Jesus all the time. What he's saying is that we ought not retaliate. This is a retaliation. Command, and you're going to see that as we go on. Romans 12, 17 through 19 actually captures this the best. This is one of the best three verses in the Bible when it comes to this topic of retaliation. We we quote it to our kids all the time. Henson boys, you're going to instantly recognize these these verses because we have talked about this a bunch. All right, 12, 17 through 19. Let's put it up there. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought, careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible. So far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's verse 19. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, this is an Old Testament quote, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. Jesus is like, you guys are trying to play God with the way that you're getting people back. You're trying to be the judge. You're trying to come down with the hammer. You're trying to get Vindication for yourself. Kids, vindication is a big word that just means you want yourself to be proven right. And we've all feeling that way. We feel like we've been wronged and we want to be made right. And so what happens, what Satan does, he's so crafty. He he gets us obsessed with this thing called self-vindication. It's when we just want, we're so desperate to be right that we can't really see anything else. And it's hard. And I know we've all struggled with that. If we're super honest this morning, we go, man, sometimes it's not clear to me. But the Bible is clear. Don't repay evil for evil. Jesus is saying, if someone gets you, if someone hurts you, it doesn't give you a license for revenge. God sees everything. He's the judge. So what do we do? Well, Jesus doesn't just leave him hanging with that. He unpacks it some more, and we're going to keep moving. But Jesus makes it clear, revenge is not an option and we have a picture that I want to put up this morning. You know, there's this phrase in the kingdom of this world, and I, I know that you've heard it before. There's a little picture of a license plate back there. There, there. there we go. I don't get mad I what? I get even. And there is no shortage of um, merchandise with this on it. I mean, you wouldn't believe coffee cups, T-shirts, um, you know, stuffed animals for the kids. I mean, everything. I mean, this, got, this is plastered everywhere. And this is really the attitude of this kingdom, of this world. I don't get mad, I get even. So what does Jesus say? He tells us a few things. First, he says, turn. Write that down this morning, turn. On the contrary, you know this verse, you've probably heard it before, or if not, here it is. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him. Also, again, we're confused, right? Because we're like, Jesus, you mean if someone slaps me, I'm literally supposed to offer them this cheek too. This sounds kind of sarcastic and kind of sassy, like, hey, why don't you go ahead and hit me here too? Go, go ahead. This isn't what Jesus is saying. It was common, this is where culture helps us. A backhanded slap in Jewish culture was an insult. It wasn't, the focus wasn't on the fact that you were having your face slapped. The focus was on, it was humiliating. It was like dogging somebody, or as we would say today, trolling someone, or saying something hurtful, calling them something. And so we're really, um, we're, we're really wild in our culture today with our words, right? We, You're a bigot. You're a this and that. You're a, you know, we, we just sling words everywhere w- w- without thinking about it. And in this day, people would backhand someone if, if they wanted to insult them. So what do, what do we do with this? Well, Jesus is saying, turn, don't return turn don't return so we're called as Christians here's the crazy thing about being a Christian ready Christians in the room we're called to endure persecution we're called to endure insults you cannot read the bible and get around it and i know it's hard i know it's hard does that mean that there's never a time to pursue what is right that is not what jesus is saying in fact there's a few things that jesus is not saying it's wrong to think that Jesus means evil should never be resisted. He demonstrated with his life that evil should be resisted. Remember that episode when he walked into the temple and he wasn't feeling too happy with what was going on? He's like, y'all are making a, 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 robber of den, uh, sorry, a den of robbers. Y'all are making a, you know, some kind of casino corrupt thing out of the temple and it needs to stop. And he got so angry, he did what to the tables? He flipped those tables and he was proving a point He said, this is my house and this kind of stuff, this sinful stuff doesn't belong in such a holy place. And so there is a time to stand up and do that, but what people, people were taking it and running with it. So Jesus is really calling us to resist retaliation and to really limit the retaliation to a few select moments where it actually is appropriate. It's okay, but it's never, but here's the thing about a retaliation that is appropriate in that time was Jesus Now, now Jesus was uniquely God in flesh, and so he had a unique situation. But sometimes it is appropriate, especially if the justice that you are seeking is for someone else, if you are standing up for others. But what we do in our culture, we get obsessed with vindicating ourselves. And so we get the selfish self-vindication, and that's where the retaliation tends to be inappropriate. All right, so not only turn, what else did he say? Well, the second word is yield. That's hard. Yield, stop, let somebody else go, all right, yield. We, we understand what that means. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. Now, again, we have to understand what the Old Testament was saying. We're not gonna go back and look at the two verses this comes from, but essentially, just so you guys know, your outer cloak could be taken from you in court. People did this all the time. And uh, one, one theologian put it this way. Yet even in a country where justice can be had, we are not to resort to the law for every personal wrong. We should rather endure to be put upon rather than to be forever crying out, I'll bring an action. So this is the attitude, the yielding is an attitude of loving sacrifice that Jesus employed his entire ministry. And here's a phrase you can write down to really get the heart. Remember, it's not always the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. Sometimes we talked about that this whole sermon, people were misunderstanding Jesus. So what is he getting at? Here it goes. Where demands abound, let grace abound even more. And you know what they used to do? Back in the day, there's this, there's this other, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you jot that down. But, but there was this thing they would do. The third command is to go. And here's what they would do. The Roman soldiers would force them to carry their equipment throughout the land. Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So a soldier would come up to you, Jordan, and say, hey, you in a green shirt holding a small child carry my equipment a mile, and you cannot say a thing about it. And Jesus says, if they ask you to do that, say, hey, Roman soldier, hey, Thaddeus, I don't know, that sounds like a good name, hey, Thaddeus, I'll carry your stuff two miles. Now, what does that make people do when we do stuff like that? It gets their attention, doesn't it? They go, why why would you do that? This is not a good, like, you're, you're, you're taking a bad moment And you're and you're making and you're acting like you want to not only do it, but you want to do it even further. So, what's Jesus saying here? Give more than the law demands. You know, Jesus is actually throughout this whole sermon, if you haven't caught on so far, I want to kind of catch us all up together. He's raising the bar beyond even what God's word says. Because he is himself the Son of God. He's saying. And you're gonna see it at the last verse of today. Jesus is always raising the bar for us. Not because he wants to crush you, but because he wants to make you look more and more like him so that God can be glorified. And so Jesus says, go beyond the one mile required by the law. Give another mile out of a free choice of love. This is how we transform an attempt to manipulate us, uh, an action intended to manipulate us into a free act of love. And so that's the other thing. And let's just look at the summary statement here in verse 42, ready? The first word here is give. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So what's the attitude? What's the whole attitude if we going to sum all that up? Give, give and forgive. Our world is in need, friends, and they need to see Jesus followers that are more obsessed with giving than getting. And you will find out that if your life is centered around giving yourself and your heart and your, your time, your talent, your treasure just away to the Lord and away to other people, there's no better way to live. And all you're ever gonna hear in our culture and in our world is no, just focus on yourself. Just love yourself, just build your own career and your own thing and hunker down, forget everybody else. You you do you, you do your thing. That's not the message of Jesus at all. He says, reflect God, be little mirrors that reflect his glory and watch how God will change lives around you. I wanna read a section of scripture as I close. We could easily go through line by line, but in the, for the sake of time, because we had such a great time with baptisms and the kids singing and all of that, I wanna lump these verses together and they really read well. Um, but let me go ahead and uh, put this on the screen. This is something you can write down. For the, for the note takers in the room, and for those of you that aren't, you can just read it to yourself real quick. We are called, we are called, let's go ahead and put that up there. There we go. We are called to model God's love for everyone, regardless of what is done to you or for you. So that's the goal. This is what Jesus is gonna tell us. Show the world, Christians in the room, your mission, show the world what God is like. People want to see God. They, they, they wanna hear from him. If God would just show up to me, and talk to me, that I might think about following him, but he's invisible, I can't hear him. But what has God chosen to do? Yes, he shows up that way sometimes in the Bible, but what is his plan A for now? It's to live out through his Christians, through his children. They see what God is like through your life. Have you thought about that recently? Someone I come into contact is gonna see God through me, and that, that doesn't put us up on a pedestal, oh no. But just understand how he works. His spirit will use you to show the world what God is like. And so let's read these verses together. Here's another you've heard, ready? You've heard it was said before, love your neighbor. How many of you guys have heard that one? Love your neighbor. But they also added the second part. This actually isn't in the Bible, but people were saying it all the time. He's correcting misunderstanding and hate your enemy. So they'd taken love your neighbor as yourself and said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. All right, who does that that sound like? Twisting, Twisting scripture and adding evil stuff in there. It sounds like the devil was involved, right? And it's definitely true. But here he goes. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What was that instruction? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Friends, it is a lot harder to be mad at someone you're praying for. It's a lot harder to be mad. When you have been done dirty, it is a lot harder to have hate and bitterness and malice well up in your heart when you're praying sincerely for someone. I'm not talking about imprecatory Psalms. Those are the Psalms where it's like, Lord, smite those people who have done evil and do away with them. You know, like we'll, we'll, we'll get to those another day and we'll, we'll talk about how we, how we can make sense of that and why that's even in the Bible. That's a whole nother sermon. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, Lord, this person that, that, I, that I have this offense with, you know, there's a riff. They're made in your image. You loved them. You have a plan for their life and I desire the best for them. Can you say that with your enemies? Maybe not right now, but could God be calling you to turn your heart towards that this morning? You'll have a chance to do that this morning. Maybe that's why God brought you here because your hate for your enemies right now is killing you inside. You think it's hurting them, but it's actually just killing you. And I love you enough to invite you to repent of that, unrighteous anger and vindicate, you know, that self-vindictive stuff that's in there. I'm not telling you to do anything that I haven't had to do time and time and time again. This is a struggle for me too. I wanna invite you to repent of that and turn your heart towards what Jesus is saying. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. This is what children of God do. For he causes the sun, we're gonna continue on, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He does that, right? The sun rises on everybody, no matter what you do. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen? It's called common grace. Everybody gets that. Take a deep breath. Exhale. Welcome to receiving common grace. Whether you're following Jesus or not in the room, he gave you that breath. He put that breath in your lungs. It's a gift. And his design for you is to take in that breath of blessing, of love from God, and to exhale what we just did for a couple songs, is we exhale. So I lift up my hands, praise you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah, God. I'm not perfect, I'm messed up, we all are. But all I have is this hallelujah. Just take this, this uh, you know, popular song written out of it, not quite as theologically correct, the whole thing, but the broken hallelujah you know, that we've heard a lot about, this, this messed up, imperfect hallelujah, Lord, you can have it. Because the Lord does not despise a heart that would seek after him, no matter what mistakes we've made, no matter where you are right now. The message of the gospel, the, the good news of Christ is not clean yourself up and then come to Jesus. Get your act together and then you can get back in church. That's a false gospel. Here's what the gospel is. We're messed up and we need a savior. That's the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross because he died for nothing. If we're not messed up and sick and broken, then what is there to fix? And so Jesus loves us and he does something crazy. We're just gonna jump to the end here. I have more stuff, but just in the interest of time. This is what I don't want you to miss today. Jesus loved so deeply and gave so generously. So he did what he called us to do. He loved so deeply and gave so generously that he died for his enemies. He didn't just love his enemies, he died for his enemies. And I'm about to read to you three of the most life-changing verses that I ever read in my whole entire life. These three verses changed my life. And here's what they say. But God, two of my favorite words in scripture, but God provides his own love for us, for us. Everybody in the room, you are not excluded from the love of God, friend. No one in this room has, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter where you are right now and how you relate to God, whether you don't even believe in God, he still loves you. And here's what it says. God proved his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, everybody say still sinners, still sinners, While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. How much more then? Since we have been now justified, that's that's a fancy word that means be made right. We've been made right by his blood. How much more will we be saved through him from wrath? Wrath is judgment. That means that sin has gotta be punished or else God's not a good God. He's not just, he's not a good judge if he doesn't punish sin. But Christ died for us. We've been made right by his blood on the cross. His blood, it was a very bloody act to crucify someone. It was gruesome. The manicured pictures that we get are just not even the Passion of the Christ, the famous movie that Mel Gibson released and it took over, it dominated box office and it was rated R. It was rated X before they cut it out all before they eliminated all the other stuff. They they had to manicure that movie because it was so gruesome what Jesus did for us. It was a bloody mess because he loved you that much and because he wanted that blood to to make you right before God because he was the perfect sacrifice. And what does verse 10 say? Just lean into this this morning. No matter where you're at in your faith, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? What's this verse saying? We're gonna leave that up there for a minute. This verse reminds us that apart from the grace of Christ, you are an enemy of God. There's no neutral ground, friends. A lot of people try to straddle the fence with Jesus. They say, I don't have anything against Jesus, and I'm not really into this Christianity, yay Jesus stuff. I'm just gonna kinda sit in this middle section right here. And Jesus himself drew the line in the sand, not because he hates you and me, but because he loves you so much. He drew a line in the sand, said, you don't understand. I love you so much, I'm gonna give my life for you. And if you're for me, then you're gonna draw near to me and call me Lord and savior, but you're either for me or against me. And so what did Jesus do on that cross? While we were enemies, he died for us. Now I know I've talked a lot about being an enemy of God. And if you're in the room and you realize, uh uh-oh, this morning, if I'm really honest, I just learned through this scripture verse that I'm an enemy of God. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. He brought you here this morning to hear that. I'm convinced, because that's what he does. I'm not, I'm not stepping out as some kind of like arrogant prophet saying like, I, I heard a word, God, God told me through the clouds that you, that you were here this morning. No, I just know his word and what his word says. And it says that he does stuff like this and he draws you in and he brings you to this room to hear about this grace that changed my life forever. 15 years ago, I read verses just like this and I went, you mean he died for me as an enemy? He's, I don't have to earn that grace? No. Can I make it really simple? You receive that grace. It's a grace gift. It's a free gift to you, but a free gift always costs somebody something and it costs Jesus everything. And he loved you so much, he went all the way to the cross for you. And you don't have to jump through religious hula hoops and pay exorbitant amounts of money, pay God back spiritually. The way that you are justified with God, made made right with him, is through repentance and faith. So here's the two step process and you can do it right now this morning. You turn from your sin. You just say in your heart to God, you don't even have to say a special prayer. You can pray to God if you want. In fact, I would encourage you to, but he can hear you right inside your head and you just decide, it's a decision. God, I'm going to turn from my sin because of what I've heard this morning and what what you did for me. I wanna receive that grace. I wanna be made right with you. I don't wanna be an enemy of God. I wanna be a friend of God. I wanna be a child of God. And if you repent of your sin this morning, you turn from your sin, say, I'm done with that life of sin. I'm, I, I'm not gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna focus on Jesus. And I'm gonna turn myself towards him. And then you just call upon him as Lord and savior. You, you pray a simple prayer like this, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life and thank you for saving me. I receive your forgiveness this morning. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Thank him for the cross. And friends, I wouldn't be preaching the full gospel this morning if I didn't tell you that Jesus didn't stay dead when he came down from that cross and they put him in the tomb three days later. I got to preach the gospel, of the resurrection. He came back to life and he did that. We don't just celebrate that on Easter. Every Sunday is the Lord's day. I mean, essentially every Sunday is resurrection Sunday. And here's what you need to know about that. Jesus will resurrect you spiritually. The Bible says we're spiritually dead without him and he will give you spiritual life. Just call upon his name. The Bible says anyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you call upon his name today if that is you, if you need his grace in your life, if you know it in your heart? He's calling you home, friends. Behold, I stand knocking at the door. This is right out of Revelation. He's knocking on the door, and he says, let me in. Let me inside. I'll I'll change your life. And I'll tell you guys, it's the best decision I ever made, and it's so exciting to watch Cole and Elwood take those steps because they have rightly understood that, that if they let Jesus in their heart, that he will change their life and he's already doing a work. And so many of you and so many of you would say, hey, me too, he's done a work in me. Maybe your next step this morning is simply this, as the band comes out and as they close us out with one more song, maybe your next step is this. Lord, I've given too much way, too much, I've given the enemy a foothold in my life in terms of retaliation. Maybe our attitude towards our enemies need to change. And if you're a Jesus follower in the room, now I'm gonna hold you accountable to this because this is what we sign up for. This is when we say we're gonna follow Jesus, we say we're gonna obey the things that he says to do. And he says, hey, you're gonna have to endure some insults sometime. Like you're just gonna have to eat it. You're just gonna have to take it. Ask him to help your heart with that this morning because I know it's a challenge for many of us. We, We wanna slam right back. And Jesus himself went all the way to the cross. He didn't say much. They beat the tar out of him. They whipped him. They scourged him. He was silent as a lamb before the shears, the prophet Isaiah says. So maybe we could be that same way. Maybe we could just say, Jesus, my, my, my knee-jerk reaction is going to be grace and forgiveness. Let's pray together this morning. God, is so great to have a room full of children today. It is so great to have parents sitting with their families. It's so great to have singles and young married couples and empty nesters and just so many different generations in the room today, Lord, people that raised their kids in the Lord and people here today, Lord, uh, who I know that you just, Lord, you just brought them here for a reason. I know it. We all sit here before you, God, and we just ask for you to speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray for every soul in this room that you would call everyone in this room to do something because we don't just come here to sing songs, Lord, even though we love doing that to you and declaring true things about you and worshiping you, but God, we really believe that you're speaking to us today. You're a God who speaks through your word and we're asking you, Lord, make it clear. Sometimes we can really overcomplicate it, Lord. Make it so simple today. Work in this response time, Lord. Maybe respond whether it's through singing, maybe we just need to get on our knees and just pray. Maybe we need to hug the person next to us and just pray as a family or just, or just to support one another. God, whatever our next steps are, make them clear. Draw us closer to you as we worship in response. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and let's respond to what the Lord has said this morning and what he's doing in your life. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit AnchorChurchCSRA.com or follow us on social media at AnchorChurchCSRA.